Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Monday Night Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, but oh, AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. Uh, we have uh, interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a big quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamford and sidgwick to review monday night raw the go home show ahead of the royal rumble i quite enjoyed this one yeah me too i like to think right that our podcast is a um a bit of a trojan horse you know there's like silly voices bit of fun and then there's some analysis hidden in that you maybe weren't expecting in reality it's probably in reverse at <laughs> this point but i like to think that's one thing raw it's a Trojan horse, with just more silly stuff inside. <laughs> just silly on top of silly. They cannot do um, big-time pay-per-view promotion anymore. We booked various different ways in which to do a win. We knew the bits that they might do silly and the bits they might do serious. It's one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. It's going to kick off the biggest business period of the year for them, historically, all that sort of stuff. This nonsense is all they know. I just didn't hate the nonsense. Uh, it's so much better. It is exponentially better, in fact, when they just embrace the nonsense. It's difficult to gauge when exactly Raw was at its absolute worst, but legitimately, the most drab times I've ever had watching this TV show is when they have the temerity to think they're pro wrestling, like when Paul Heyman was booking 50-minute gauntlet matches without <laughs> a finish, when they just put matches without finishes on there. It's like, you don't want to do matches. You don't want to do finishes. You don't want to do matches, much less finishes. Just be stupid WWE because sometimes you have a performer who can kind of get the old quintessential mm. WWE like Chad Gable's evolving into yes. right now. Um, just be stupid. Just be overtly, willingly stupid. Don't do what you can't do, and that's wrestling. So the less wrestling on these shows, the better, and there was a fair bit of bollocks on this one. <laughs> I really enjoyed the main event. I thought it personified everything you talked about there as well. Uh, and we did have some excellent wrestling as well on this show, mixed in with... 
Yeah, usual Monday Night Raw stuff. Let's dive straight into it, though, because we show open with that weigh-in, as you mentioned. Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, uh, they're going to be fighting for the WWE Championship at the Royal Rumble. We'll be doing a live stream for it. Do join myself and Phil Chambers for that on Saturday night on our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got Postman Pierce and, for some reason, Corey Graves uh, involved in introducing everyone. Bobby Lashley, MVP, come out. Uh, Paul Heyman stops Corey Graves from in- intru- introducing Brock Lesnar, he does it himself. Um, Lashley's in gear you would expect people wearing if they were going to immediately take stuff off to be weighed. Uh, athletic gear, basically. Brock Lesnar <laughs> is wearing jeans, uh, a sort of big flannel coat, and a black cowboy hat. <laughs> uh, and Corey Graves goes, not really appropriate attire for a for a weighing Brock. <laughs> and he went, what, do you want to get naked? <laughs> Just love banter, Brock. Uh, tells him to get on with it. Lashley weighs in at 273 pounds. He doesn't, but... No, doesn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, MVP calls him the almighty killing machine, closer to a god than a man. Uh, and he said he's going to gain weight after the title match. And I thought, that's a that's a nice line. Here we go. What's he going to say? I'm gonna get, he's going to get 12 pounds heavier for that gold. And he went, uh, wait, he's going to gain the weight of the title when he puts the title <laughs> on because he's won the title. And I was like, oh... Didn't quite stick the landing there, but I get what you're going for. Um, Lesnar um, takes off his hat, still wears everything else, and he weighs in at 286 pounds. Lashley's not happy about all this, saying that Lesnar's acting like a fool because he knows that he's going to lose on Saturday. This is going to be a short, shortest title reign to date. That's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. Uh, and Lesnar calls Lashley a comedian. He says, look, just to picture it, Sunday morning, hot off the press, Lashley beats Brock in the Hurt Lock. Here is your new champion, Bobby Who. And he laughs, cackles to himself, and just walks off. Lashley fumes again, and the announcers talk about whether or not Brock is taking Bobby seriously. And uh, what do you make of all this, Sige? I would like it a lot more if I was sure that Lashley was going over clean, and he 1 million percent isn't. So I'm kind of a little bit annoyed by the direction they're taking, if I'm being perfectly honest. I like big banter Brock as much as anybody else. I would like to think they wanted the absurdity of the idea of Brock Lesnar being naked on the scales more than they were leaning towards overtones of homophobia with that line. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't work it out, so I couldn't pop, even though uh, Lesnar's delivery was quite delightfully deadpan. He's just so gifted at everything to do with sports entertainment. Um but I couldn't, knowing that company was probably the, the other thing. Uh, so I couldn't really enjoy it <laughs> no, as a result. It was probably the other thing. <laughs> oh, God, I'm there. Um, what annoyed me about this is that when MVP was giving it like the hype man, bigging up his guy, saying all these killer sort of sound bites that put Lashley over, I was buying it, I was believing it. And the whole point was that Lesnar wasn't. I just wish given where we kind of know this is going, or just to have a little bit of Lashley's aura intact after the fact that they just presented these guys as equals? I think I think what I'd like to see, because I completely agree, there's going to be some sort of shenanigans, I hope, that leads to Bobby Lashley winning the WWE Championship. Maybe, you know, the Usos can't be involved in one match, but they can probably be involved in the other. Um, but I hope the story prior to that, at least, is not just, well, Brock Lesnar's just battering him, he's better, he's got this match won. I want it to be the the Goldberg match. Not, you know, necessarily he's going to beat him in two minutes or whatever. But Lashley straight out of the blocks and Brock Lesnar suddenly like, oh, really should have taken this a lot more seriously. I think that's where it's going to go. But at the same time, just present it like you've got an opportunity here. Visually, Lashley looks 
legitimately more impressive than, of all people, Brock Lesnar. I just don't know why they're doing this telling stories route with it. Yeah, I don't totally get this either. I'm not quite sure if... Because like when Lashley says, oh, you're doing all this stuff because you're trying to obscure that you're scared of me, that's almost easier to buy than what Brock's actually trying to sell you, which is that he doesn't take Lashley seriously. Mm. And my worry is, is that the match is going to go that same way because that's the way the promos are. For them to think this is the story we need to tell worries me a little bit that they'll think we have to do it in the match as well. Also, and I think this is where they've gotten a bit... Lo- are, like, you can't not pop at that stupid hat and Brock's deadpan delivery and taking the hat off to get weird. He's really good at this sort of stuff, but I just don't think it's fit as well. The whole point of him doing it against Roman is that you're supposed to disarm this guy that takes himself incredibly seriously. There is a time to stop that and actually take another guy seriously. Instead, Lashley was that guy. And it went so far that I think they've gotten lost in who this Brock character is. The little bit he manifested at the end to try and get under Bobby's... Bobby who was to get under his skin? Who is this guy? Well, he's, whoever he is, he still won the title in your imagined newspaper. If there was a story like Michael Hamflet wins the lottery, but like they've just spelt Hamflet wrong at the end, and it says Michael Hill, I was, oh, I still won the lottery. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the newspaper headline. So uh, I think that's that to me was an example of where they've kind of lost course mm. with this Brock character a little bit. They they love the funny visuals. They come up with the big daft ideas that you can't do when he's being serious, standing in the background, Brock. But yeah, I, I, I lost a bit of. I lost a bit of interest, and this was pretty basic WWE stuff. We were, I don't think we were, like, fantasy booking wildly to suggest that having them take the tops off and be sprayed in baby oil was, like, it's not a leap for WWE, Mm. and we didn't get that. Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it, where they didn't try their hardest to sell this any more than they they have done already, Mm. but they are just sort of relaxing, going, eh, it's the rumble. We could probably put almost anything on, and the fact they're just saying... Here's Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, and we might have, if you might have seen the uh, the old moving graphics they've now got on Twitter for the match. You know where they move about and then they mm. freeze, and then it's the side by side. I don't know why that always gets me. Like, yeah, ready for that match, no matter who it is. Definitely worked. It's a SmackDown fist crossover. Yeah, no, no, I hate. That, I hate my life when he said that. That specifically works for. That doesn't do anything for me. But I, I, you will definitely be speaking to. Oh, a look, lot it's, of our it's, it's, here. it's Charlie Haas versus Jamie Noble, but they're moving. Yeah, so, <laughs> so WWE's back. <laughs> Never left. <laughs> uh, they follow that up with a, a, a rundown of the show and then a recap of Bianca Bella winning last year's Royal Rumble. Then she was in action against Queen Zelina, who came out and went. Oh, the bloody queen's going to win the bloody rumble or whatever. It's a weird, <laughs> a weird voice. Are you me? No. <laughs> um, oh, blimey, I'm going to both feet must touch the floor. <laughs> uh, it was a, a brief match. Zelina did get in some offense. She counted quite a lot of uh, Bianca Belair's attacks. Um, she got put down with a gorilla press and some suplexes. She goes for a code red, but Bianca Belair, because she's just a freak, stops that midair, powers out of it, uh, and lifts her up KOD for the victory. And Corey Graves talk about, talks about Bianca Belair potentially becoming the first person in 24 years to uh, win back-to-back rumbles. I thought this was very good because of how functional it was. Um, myself and Sidgwick over the desk the other day were workshopping a bit of a theory about why WWE live shows have been so quiet. Other than the first couple since the, um, since the fans returned, it's the WWE selling the brand thing, eating itself all over again. They want to see the names on the posters do their entrances. They maybe want to see a couple of signature moves or a couple of signature taunts and all that. But WWE has kind of forced its audience to lose interest in the matches. The matches themselves being so formula has aided that too. Um, 
But by not going so long, you had all of Bianca Belair's star power and you could hear it. The fans were bang, bang into her. And I don't want to like discredit Zelina Vega as the heel because somebody's got to be the foil to that baby face. But Bianca Belair was feeling like a top baby face. It's not going to be the same in every building, but they were with her here. And the match didn't go on anywhere near long enough for a botch anywhere near long enough to feel like a formula. And what you saw was the preservation of a star who you're supposed to be taking seriously on Sunday. These are the most basic, basic of tenets, but WWE do it so rarely that it feels like a treat when we get it. Nailed it! Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, you know what? I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they did something they don't normally do, WWE, um, last night, in that they didn't flog... 5,000 tickets to an arena that could theoretically hold like 18, 20,000. I think they ran a smaller show and God damn it, that was reflected in the noise. Yeah. It wasn't these this weird, well, we'll just pretend we're bigger than we are to the absolute detriment of the atmosphere. <laughs> and, you know, if it's complete church and mouse and church stuff, mm. who cares? So, yeah, do this kind of building again because the atmosphere was yeah. actually immersive somewhat. Yeah, you definitely felt that throughout the night and, uh, and early on in that match as well. Uh, Kevin Owens was backstage getting interviewed by... Kevin Patrick! <laughs> asked, him about, <laughs> asked him about feigning an injury to defeat Damian Priest last week and Owens was having none of that. He was very happy about handing Priest his first loss but offended by the accusation that he feigned an injury. He was pointing out the back of his T-shirt read, just keep fighting. That's what he was... That's what he did then. That is what he's going to do now. And he's going to hopefully get himself a US title shot and just keep just keep winning. Uh, oh, he's got to so say hopefully get himself a title shot. He did get a title shot on this show. Uh, and he was just going to keep fighting to win the title. Then we got the US title match. Kevin Owens versus Damian Priest. Skip. Skip. Thank goodness. Yeah, went to a DQ. Before we get to the five-star review, review I do want to have a brief pitch because there was we're going to talk about it in a minute as well. There was a couple of matches on the show that were bloody pointless. It was just, oh, let's get loads of people in and go, oh, they could win the Rumble. They won't. They could win the Rumble. But they were just, you know, shilling for the Rumble. There was a women's match that followed this. There was the tag match later on in the night. Uh, but they really emphasized, especially in the men's match, you can't trust anyone. You know, the Mysterios, don't worry, we'll talk about that later. Oh. Street Profits, etc., etc. And all I thought was a bit of fantasy booking, right? Is Damien Priest in the Rumble? Yes. He is, isn't he? Uh -huh. So remember that classic bit of booking once where Randy Orton's the legend killer and he says the only legend I haven't killed is myself and then he RKO's himself. Yes. What if uh, Damien eliminates Priest? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Right. Enough. <laughs> enough. Can I say one thing about this match? Yes. I saw like at least three members of the audience in the background when this went to the DQ because Priest got DQ'd for kicking too much ass. See it coming a mile off, couldn't you? Sort of three people literally hold their hands up in despair and like one of them had like <laughs> mini tantrums. Oh, you've done this kind of finish. Like this is bad booking. Yeah. All right, enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. <laughs> and this week's five-star review review is brought to you by Cena underscore 62. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review, all you have to do is subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. Leave us a five-star <laughs> review. 
and suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related, just like Cena62, who writes, I've been a fan of the What Culture podcast for a few years now. I'm so thankful for it. For the longest time, all I knew about wrestling was modern WWE, but it was thanks to the detailed knowledge of both the Dadly Boys about not only companies outside of WWE, but also past wrestling promotions that really helped me broaden my horizons and learn that there is so much more to enjoy about this great sport. I absolutely love that, you know. I credit Finley Martin and Dave Meltzer for mm. doing that to me. And I hold them in really high esteem because they genuinely like enriched my knowledge of mm. pro wrestling and gave me some good times, basically. For me to be in that position, is uh, it's uh, it's never lost on me. Mm. Total honour. It's... Uh, because otherwise, people just think it's boring. So it's nice when yeah. you, it's nice when you're told otherwise. And I imagine Dave Meltzer gets that now, and Finley Martin did for decades, right in Power Slam. Do you ever get that where you're talking to someone uh, about wrestling, and they're like, uh, "How's things going in WWE then?" And you're like, "Yeah, it's good. Like you got the Rumble coming up, but there's this this big new promotion. Uh, uh, you know, it's coming through AEW. That's where like Chris Jericho is now." And Blah, 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 and you just see them glaze over. And you're like, no, 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 stay with me. The answer to that question is always, I'll leave with John Moxley instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, granted. The answer should always be, how much do you care about the answer? Yeah. Like when somebody realistically asks you that, because if they're not following up with Undertaker still doing it then, <laughs> you know, well, if by doing it, you mean uh, introducing Pitbull, then yes, he is. Worldwide. By being an absolute miserable old bitch about the way his career turned out, then yeah, he's still doing that. I want GCW to book him and Jarrett. We do, not, do we not have like well you got um you got Brian and Omega on your birthday. Yes. Uh, so, like sort me out, Jeff Jarrett and the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> Last outlaw battle. Jarrett goes over. Of course, obviously. Guitar shot. <laughs> right. One uh, guitar shot. Cedar sixty underscore sixty two continues. Uh, for a five star review review, could you guys go back and discuss whatever you wish from WWE CW, as this was one of my first times I've ever watched pro wrestling. Thanks, you guys. Keep up the great content. So we've selected the excellent Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly storyline, or specifically the conclusion mm. uh, of that. So take us back to, what was this, December 2006, Michael Hanfler. What was going on in December for WWE CW? I like that you were given the pick and mix of WWE CW, and you went to the uh, December to December post-show. <laughs> you thought, I want to luxuriate in the lowest this brand could possibly be. The exact moment where I would say... About six months, probably started about June, July, about six months of various fans of ECW from various eras of ECW wanting this thing to be better than it was, finally giving up. And this was very much night one. ECW 2.0, that's what this was. Mm -hmm. Right, we've got December to remember out the way. The show starts. I went and, because obviously we're going to talk about a clip that you found on YouTube, but I went and had a quick skim of it on the network. And it opens with, <laughs> like, it opens with Paul Heyman in tears. That is how the show opens. He's crying on like he's he's like floods of tears and there's blood on his suit and he was like, This was the big show's blood. This was my blood. Anyway, I'm gone. And he just walks off camera and it's like, that's it for five and a half years. He's just gone from WWE. Is that it? And, and that's wow. it. That's how it's gone. Got on a plane after a shout and match with Vince, and that was it for yeah. him. The credits roll and it's like Hey, ECW Vampires! ECW, ECW. <laughs> yeah. So it's, this is pretty much the start of the era that Vincent Mann wanted for the show. Um, main evented by Bobby Lashley versus the Big Show, straight out of Barely Legal. Just run through down this December Dismember card because we all we all remember the Extreme Elimination Chamber. I just want to run through some of the other stuff that happened on here. Uh, Stevie Richards defeated Rene Dupree in a dark match. Main card: Hardys defeated Eminem. Uh, Balls Mahoney defeated Matt Striker in a Strikers Rules match. I think Matt Striker had his own face on his tights. 
and he got like that wrestler hungry bum that Ahmed Johnson would get. So you can see Matt Stryker's own, uh, own face disappearing up his flu during the match. What an incredibly poetic visual. <laughs> uh, Elijah Burke and Sylvester. Tell me how you feel about <laughs> the brawling. <laughs> Shut the f*** up! Uh. Uh, Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkey uh, defeated the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> defeated the FBI. Don't even know how you pronounce it, you wanker. Uh, Sylvester <laughs> Turkey. <laughs> so, there weren't ECW cartoons yet. Here's a personification of the night. Daivari defeated Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Uh, Ariel and Kevin Thorne defeated Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox. We'll get to that. And then, of course, yes, Bobby Lashley defeated... Uh, Big Show, Test, Rob Van Dam, Hardcore Holly, and CM Punk. Oh, Sabu. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So this is the next no, night. No undefeated streak anymore. It's all gone. It's all gone. CM Punk, who's... Yeah, so I was going to say, CM Punk was eliminated first, wasn't he? Yep. By the only other babyface, Rob Van Dam. Yes. <laughs> he was then eliminated by Test, I think. Yeah. Test, <laughs> test, test eliminated Hardcore Holly and Rob Van Dam. Just see Vince rubbing his hands together. Right, got them out of the way. <laughs> Is lesser of two evils. <laughs> the winner is going to be between Test Big Show and Bobby Lashley. Enjoy Incredible. it. Incredible. Uh, so this is the next night. Um, and it's Kelly Kelly's first singles match. She's going to be facing the vampire Ariel. Uh, <laughs> just Taz on commentary. Like, I've, you know, renewed my love of it with, with AEW. Kelly Kelly walks out and he goes, oh, look at this. Right, that's his first words. <laughs> he walks through. Uh, and uh, they're very much like like builders when women walk past them. She's not smiling. Cheer up. <laughs> <laughs> Cheer she, up. Love her, might Not happen. <laughs> give us a smile, but she apparently is, is concerned, is what they're putting over about facing Ariel. Uh, they get the recap of Knox bailing on her mid-match uh, at December to Dismember. Joey Styles summing up the two personnel in this match. Kelly Kelly's a fun-loving exhibitionist. Ariel's a freak. <laughs> they say the word freak like 500 times in the segment. Yeah, they know what they mean. Uh, here, there, here comes Ariel and uh, Kevin Thorne, Mordecai, as some may know him as. Taz says, oh, I wonder if Ariel's going to sink her teeth into Kelly. Uh, and uh, <laughs> So I got like, my best mate is called Kevin. And I got a lot of very important Kevins in my life, but it's really funny that a vampire was called Kevin. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, like Thorne's good. The Thorn part's good. Because I've got mates called Kevin, they have isolated a point that Kevin is used as the butt of jokes, as a punchline name, all the time in like cinema and media. So you've got like the naughty kid from Home Alone is Kevin. You've got a psycho kid from that film and book we need to talk about Kevin. Kevin the teenager from Harry Enfield. Yeah. It's it like always um it was the uh, effeminate character in the thin blue line back when it was like homophobia was rife on the BBC. Oh yeah. Kevin, right? Like this was there's like loads and loads and loads of Kevins. Dorky vampire. <laughs> they don't know about that one because nobody's watching this. So uh, Taz says, I wonder if Harry's going to sink her teeth into Kelly. And Joey Styles, in the most Joey Styles thing ever, says, Yeah, well, she certainly sunk her fist into Kelly's skull last Sunday. All right, calm down. Taz's seven year old son is watching, thinking, I'm going to do this one. <laughs> By the way, uh, it's Ariel's entrance I'd forgotten about. So we all have heard of like the Molina entrance or the Beautiful People's entrance from TNA. Ariel rests her ass on the middle rope and then spreads her legs as wide as they can go. And Taz goes, hello. <laughs> I didn't notice any entrance. <laughs> Kelly, I'd love to know your thoughts on Kelly Kelly's acting here. She's scared, Michael Sidgwick. Thoughts? 
She looks like she just had a conversation with Kevin Dunn. <laughs> and Method acted her way to the ring. Uh, Kevin she needs to find some tits. <laughs> that's the legendary quote, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah, find some, that's it. The Kevin who earned his name. Yes. <laughs> um, Kevin Thorne is uh, an ominous presence, sort of lurching towards Kelly Kelly, and then the referee kicks him out, and he, he can't believe this all of a sudden. And then we get to... We get to the match. Kelly's still nervous about getting in the ring. Brock done, is it? It's Kevin done. <laughs> uh, Ariel does her best. Uh, Sorry, any Kevins out there. <laughs> it's not your fault. Ariel does her best Penta impression, takes off her gloves. Uh, Kelly doesn't <laughs> look happy. Uh, and the match starts with a Thez press <laughs> from Ariel onto Kelly. And I've written here, some crap punches and a choke. You cannot do this thing where, like... You know, this would be the wrestlers scared to fight Brock Lesnar when they go in and they just get destroyed. Like, no offense to Ariel, who, like, had a role in wrestling. A Salinas in TNA, really great with LAX. She couldn't go. You know, that wasn't what she was known for. She was there as a vampire, but they had nobody else. Ro- they needed one serious wrestler to just be like, oh, like, make Kelly kind of look really frightened. Got a vampire. Well, she'll have to fucking do them, won't she? <laughs> Uh, Kelly, match is over whilst you've been talking. Uh, Kelly Kelly <laughs> wants to buy a surprise roll-up. Yeah. WWE's still alive and well right. in ECW there. Uh, and Taz says, huh? If I had a cap to, for Kelly Kelly, I'd take it off. And that's what she does. She's, I mean, she's just a yeah. exhibitionist, isn't she? Anyway, here comes Mike Knox. He's well-dressed. He's got a suit jacket on. He's carrying a bunch of roses. Uh, and uh, Mike... I'd say Mike today. Joey Styles says, uh, think that's got a peace offering there? Taz says, well, either that or he works at a florist. <laughs> <laughs> Better, but he doesn't work blue. It's Taz. I mean, he might do now. I don't know what <laughs> Mike Knox is up to. He, uh, he gets down on one knee uh, and begins talking to Kelly Kelly and then realizes the mic's not turned on. <laughs> so we start again. Uh, and he says, Kelly, look, I know. I know you don't want to see me right now. Last night, I made a huge mistake. Probably the... Biggest mistake of my life. Kelly, I don't know what I was thinking. You, you know who I am. I'm a hothead. I want you to know I, I'd never leave you. Do it in his voice. You're making it sound like he's got charisma. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I want you to know I would never leave you. <laughs> Kelly, I'm on my knees. <laughs> <laughs> Begging you, please forgive me. Checks notes. Please. And he holds out his hand. Reluctantly, Kelly Kelly takes it and she puts his hand on his face. She's she's forgiven him. He says, Kelly, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I waited so long to dumb you. I treated you like a queen. You made me look like a fool, you bitch. Uh, no, he didn't say that bit. I've got carried away. Jesus Christ. He turned into a comment section briefly there. The truth is, someone like me could never be with someone like you. And he goes to walk away. <laughs> goes he chills. <laughs> no, what was this? Uh, that's a deep cut. Anyway, move on. Goes to walk away, stops, turns around, and throws the bunch of roses at her. Taz says, son of a bitch. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Whilst he's saying that, Mike Knox grabs Kelly Kelly and Sister Abigail's her. Yeah. It it scans are shocking now, but it wasn't then. Is it that was, fair to say? Yes, it was, was very much part was, of the course. They were still doing that all the time. 
Like Taz's shock over the flowers, as you point out, is more visceral than his shock over the sister Abigail roll the dice that they gave all them developmental guys that couldn't work a lick at the time. Um, no offense to Bray, but that's probably why I got. Uh, <laughs> like Taz sounded maybe he got in his head that Mike Knox was a florist. He was like, "Why would a florist do that?" <laughs> An arrangement took hours. Taz calls him a rotten bastard. Uh, Lee's commentary. I was, I've written to chase him out of the ring. He doesn't. He gets in the ring, and Mike Knox slowly gets out of the ring himself. It's kind of halfway out, isn't he, when Taz gets there? I love Taz, but... Joey Styles reminds us of the moral compass, though, by simply saying, that was wrong of Mike Knox <laughs> at the end of this segment. It was probably put in post. It's one of their favourite things, This the, the certain cadence with which these promos, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. It's like you know what's coming from a million miles yeah. away. Um, and that thing is Mike Knox going, psych, you're a whore. <laughs> psych, whore. Like, God damn it, he had an out, did he? Not really. He was just big. He was in thinking, wasn't he? Ace Mike States. Knox States. walked so Von Wagner could run. <laughs> <laughs> I love you with all my heart. <laughs> uh, right, so we go to the comment section. Yeah. These do not I love you. That's a bunch of crap. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Kyle. <laughs> Kylie, Kylie. <laughs> we go to the comment section. These do not reflect the views of myself, the Dandy Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. I never have done. Heel yeah, this, Gil. I feel like this is especially the case today. Heel Gill writes, man, Kelly Kelly could still be wrestling today. Could she? Yeah, she's, she's fairly young when she started out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, if Terry Funk can do it when he's 70, I'm sure <laughs> Kelly Kelly, who never really took a bump, or even ran into the ropes, in fact, <laughs> could probably give it the old college try. Uh, this, I will say, I picked this one more for the name than the comment. The comment's good, but the name, Edgar Allan Poon. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was already gone because I thought it was going to be Edgar Allan Poon. <laughs> it's a food here. Damn, I miss Kevin Thorne. <laughs> Dope ass gimmick. Did you hear the booze? Sounds like someone's doing their job right. Oh, Didn't hear anything. No, nothing. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> Didn't hear a goddamn thing. <laughs> what <laughs> is it with a legion of YouTube commenters yeah. who love anything vaguely spooky? Yeah. I don't get it at all. It passes me by. I might just read Metal Hammer and be done with it. <laughs> I, was, I was showing you that one this morning. There was a comment underneath the... Uh, Alexa Bliss video, which, you know, we'll get to. Like, oh, the goddess is coming back. Somebody dive in the reply of that reply straight away saying, dark goddess. It's like, what do you fucking need? Like, and it's got to be dark, though it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> got to be goth stuff. What's the point of life without goth life? <laughs> I hate them, me. Have both. Here's uh, a nice comment for once. It's your girl, Shay. Just write, Kelly is a very nice person. JAF Films replies, she is. I even met her once. And A replies, Yeah. I heard she has no table manners, but overall very nice and charismatic. <laughs> Where did you hear that? <laughs> oh, right. Final couple of comments. The, the personification of YouTube comments. Oh, and, Jesus Christ. And online no. commentary, basically. Once again, they do not reflect the views of myself, Dad, or is there anyone at What Culture Wrestling? Gmont28. Right, well, to be fair, <laughs> Knox has got a good point. A girl should only strip for her boyfriend, not other men. Oh. And HY, seven months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> Simply writes, 15 years later and she still makes me explode. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Great, man. Oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> just just like a teenager, anyway, when he's first watching Kelly Kelly, right? So, like, he's come out nearly 30. <laughs> I have to go on YouTube and tell us that I'm still wanking to the old wrestling. <laughs> I love it. I love the mindset. Like, ejaculating with such force. <laughs> Of ECW on sci-fi <laughs> that is described as an explosion. <laughs> like what Atsushi oh. Ita used to bump on is coming out of your cock. Well, thanks to seeing oh, underscore Stephen. 62 for that one. Oh, I want to do more WECW now. Or more Kelly Kelly, possibly. That was Look, if you the comment sections are an absolute gold mine. If you insert the names of any two divas yeah. into YouTube, right? This is a little. Uh, if you if you want a little like rabbit hole time sink, just type in Tori Wilson's Able. Mm. Yeah, YouTube, and just uh, three thousand comments in, in marvel at the decline of Western civilization. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right, we return to a Monday Night Raw with a six-women tag match. It is the 24-7 champion Dana Brooke, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan teaming against Tamina, uh, Carmella and Nikki A.S.H. There was little inset promos with all saying, all of them saying, I'm going to win the Rumble. And me going, no, you're not. Not one of you. Um, <laughs> I did. I suppose Ripley did get some shine in this match. Tamina looked absolutely dreadful. Um <laughs> There was a spot where they all came in and all hit moves, basically. Tamina knocked uh, Dana Brooke into the corner. Rhea comes in, 
a bunch of clotheslines, basement drop kicks hits Tamina, everything sort of breaks down, in comes Carmella, and she just gets caught in uh, the submission by Rhea Ripley, who defeats her in two minutes. And uh, as the uh, babyface team is celebrating, Nikki A.S.H. jumps Rhea Ripley, and no doubt this will be revisited at the Rumble. Yeah, like, as far as Rumble angle fodder went, there's been worse, but it's almost an achievement that WWE can achieve so little with so many wrestlers out there at the same time from a match point of view. This is, I feel like this is probably the thing that, like, Sidgwick has been struggling with for much longer than I have, but the the crowds returning was the point at which I, like, really lost my love with WWE Formula matches. It is just, when you're watching something you know exists for another purpose beyond the wrestling match, especially, and you get this a lot on NXT 2.0, if it goes longer than a two-minute squash, nothing is happening organically. Literally nothing is happening organically. Not even, like, at this point, if a wrestler slipped or botched, I'd actually think it was folded into what they planned because it feels that robotic. Mm. And I just, I think, like, I don't think it's particularly on the wrestlers. It's on the system, but nobody gets to achieve as a result. You haven't said that, though. I don't think Tamina Snooker deliberately bumped for a Phantom Rainmaker. <laughs> she literally did in this match. How useless can you get? Like, I'm trying not, and that's a harsh way of putting it across, but my God. No, true. I've seen that like that. Just being in the system. But it just carries on, doesn't it? Fin- Everything net. just, like, churns on afterwards. Reg- yeah. Like, nobody reacts. There's no sort of, I oh, she was, te- that was terrible. Nearly a decade yeah. and a half. And it's not as if you work in ambitious matches. It's not as if you're getting, like, Tanahashi is trying to, like, guide you through some kind of selling odyssey. You're just bumping around a bit. <laughs> That's <laughs> all you're doing, and you can't even do it. Bumping around a bit. Maybe she, maybe I'm being harsh, and she's studying her Okada tapes, and she's like, oh, she's maintained risk control, so another Rainmaker's coming. <laughs> so now she's just picking you up from the bloody canvas. That's all she was doing. You Stand up. Know. Stand up. Who is it who, um... Could be it's like a surprise entrant in the Rumble this weekend. Who was always like praised? It was Mandy Rose, wasn't it? Praised for having this like electric V trigger. <laughs> like, Mandy Rose going to at the Rumble and then Tamina's going to be like, V trigger, keep V triggering me <laughs> over and over and over again. I've watched this Omega Ricardo match. I know how this goes. They'll go nuts for it. <laughs> right, then we got the Alpha Academy Academic Challenge. Yes. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Um, Gable comes out, uh, Gable and, and Otis are out there first. First of all, great sign. Two plus two equals four point Otis. Sign, of the, <laughs> sign of the night for me. Um, and just, I know, you know, we, we moan about the fact that Becky's got to come out and, and make the crowd hate her, but Gable is a master at this. <laughs> he said, well, we're here for the uh, Spelling Bee, uh, first uh, Alpha Academy Academic Challenge. Spelling Bee. <laughs> I just labour on how ridiculous this is and just enjoy it because it's better than that three and a half star matches. And he, he says, uh, tonight is the first in a triad of events. Now, I don't know people around here won't understand what triad is. That's three. <laughs> That's three things. Uh, tonight, I'm going to I'm gonna prove my intelligence and Otis's mental prowess. Again, it's getting booed. I don't know why the line... Don't boo education. Gets me every time. But shush gets me as well. Shush, shush. <laughs> um, and uh, he also is going to use this platform to say how proud he is about this and the fact that they are going to be entering the Royal Rumble. Out comes Riddle and Orton. Uh, and it's revealed that the winners of this spelling bee will get to choose next week's challenge. And they begin. Otis goes first, and his first word is Emmental. Like the cheese. Did he fail to spell it, but it was in the script for him to get it right? I'm sure he dropped an A. I think you might be right. I think there was a little botch in there. And there was another one. Just, you know, spoil the fun. 
where he asked for it to be used in a sentence and Kevin Patrick given the definition instead. Mm. Mm. Bit all over the place. I ate some Emmental. It's a hard improv, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Riddle's up next. He gets the word calibration and he says, Calibration? Good. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not and great. he says, "Can you can you uh, give me give me an example, or like you say, give me the definition?" And then he says, "Can you can you give me the letters for it?" That that got me as well. Uh, and then he goes, "Oh, actually, I get it. Like when I calibrate my scales for weightlifting, yeah, yeah? for smoking marijuana. <laughs> oh, right, not not lifting dumbbells. I don't know. That's such a hard word. But is that is that not the scales you were talking about? Anyway, uh, Riddle nails it. Chad Gable's up next, and this it's just a masterpiece." of how to be a dickhead heel who's far too cocky for his own good. He gets the words, uh, disillusion. Uh, and he says, uh, he laughs it off, piece of piss this. Um, and uh, he says, go on, give me the definition. And Kevin Patrick starts doing, he's like, uh, no, I know what it is. Um, I've got 4.0 GPA. But he spells dissolution. And he gets the old buzzer. Ah, sorry, wrong. I he's sympathize with Chad Cable here, you know, because I thought Kevin Patrick said disillusion. Yeah. <laughs> he's annoyed he's annoyed with Kevin Patrick Chad Gable uh, and uh, Orton steps up he's fired up tells tells Gable to take a freaking seat uh, he says go on give me my word and uh, Kevin Patrick proceeds by saying a word often spelled incorrectly I don't know why he felt the need to put that in but he got dumbbell he spelt it right uh, the, the look on Riddle's face is an absolute picture uh, and then Orton says, shut up, Gable, because Gable's just flipping out again. Face me one-on-one, -on -one, and I will beat you tonight, and I can even spell it out for you, the three most devastating letters in the alphabet, R-K-O. We'll talk about the match in a second, but this was this was great stuff, Hamlet. Fantastic. Um, the What was it called? The Academic... The Alpha Academic Alpha Challenge. Alpha Academy Academic Challenge. Uh, see if they'd have promoted it as a spelling bee. Obviously, that wouldn't have... Like, that's what we got in the end. Yes. It wasn't anything more than a spelling bee. Um, but good that they promoted it as this because I was reasonably hyped. And then they kind of over-delivered when they reduced it. Really funny. Chad Gable is not just really great with his scripted lines. as like the shoosh and the other stuff. His instincts are great for this as well, as they've always been. That's how he gets all these acts over. It's just that his wrestling instincts... Well, his sports entertainment instincts are as fantastic is his wrestling one? He's quite good at wrestling as well, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, I think it'd be unfair to say that he carried it because everybody contributed. But it's so cool to watch somebody that you really like be the spine of a segment that Vince McMahon really likes. Yeah. It gives you that warm feeling that for a little while he's going to be a Vince guy, and it means you get to watch him. And like, the match is for us. Everything we just got was for Vince. Every now and then, the thing that for Vince is also quite good. And this was the like the perfect coming together of all those things. I thought the. Disillusion, dissolution thing was halfway inspired. It made the heel look like a bloviating dickhead. Mm. And I tell you what, this sounds like a facetious take. It legitimately isn't. Matt Riddle, the man and the performer, is literally so stupid that for me, I felt such genuine suspense on can he be, can he, can <laughs> yeah. he correctly recite the word he's been told and in fact practiced spelling? Can he actually remember to do it? Mm. More than I it, felt, my heart was in my mouth. The I, comparison: CM Punk was asked to recite the alphabet backwards. Oh my God, I remember he that. managed that. You're asking Riddle to spell one word. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, there's more suspense in him reading from a script, a practiced script, than there was most matches on the TV show. <laughs> I said, like, oh, "I'd love it if he messed this up. It would be piss funny if he actually botched 
to the complete detriment that it would go completely it's off the rails. Where he could just scoot away, is it? Like he just <laughs> stood in the middle of it. Oh god! Your word to make it easier the second time around is weed. Can you spell that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we got the match: Orton versus uh, Gable. Uh, I enjoyed this as well. Um, Orton in control drops Gable on the announce table, um, but after he's dealing with Otis. Uh, on the apron, Gable gets in a chop block, uh, follows that up with the moonsault and targets the uh, the leg and the uh, ankle of Randy Orton. Uh, he also drops him leg first onto the announce table as we go through a break. When we come back, Orton makes his, his comeback, uh, hits a backbreaker, hits the draping DDT, sets up for an RKO. Riddle tries to take out Otis at ringside. Uh, he was about to jump up on the apron, but Otis suplexes him. That distracts uh, Orton, uh, who gets rolled up, but he kicks out. He hits a power slam. He gets a two count. He sets up for the punt. Gable counters beautifully into an ankle lock. Uh, but in the midst of all this, Riddle uh, attacks Otis with his scooter, just batters him with it. Orton slips out of the ankle lock, kicks Gable into the turnbuckle, who comes back, gets hit with the RKO, one, two, three. Post-match, Riddle gets on the mic and announces that because they won, they can announce the next challenge, or they can pick the next challenge for next week. It's going to be a scooter race, and that they cut to Otis's little face. And yeah, loved all this as well. How can you not get excited about a scooter race when they've now given you the bit of trust that they can do the silly stuff really well? Two weeks in the spin, they've done this. Match was tremendous. Fans being there for Randy Orton week on week on week is almost undermining an entirely correct take that we've had about him for 20 yes. years being boring as seen. <laughs> yeah. real, yes, it is them who are wrong. It's a real problem, this, because they've been hot for him for weeks. And it's like, oh, this isn't ideal. Like, I've been like moaning about Randy Orton as long as I've been permitted to hey, talk Hey, look, about if, ja- if Jake Hager can do a, t- a hot tag, then so yeah. bloody Randy Orton, Jesus Christ, not hard. Um, and Chad Gable, I like, of course, he, you know, adds this to any match he's got, but good snap on Chad Gable. Unbelievable snap. On Chad Gable, it just really elevates even the even the bits that threaten to get drab about Randy Orton can't when they're with Chad Gable, and he very rarely has that chemistry with people. And when he does, you like to watch him wrestling them. So uh, zero complaints about this at all. I moan about WWE's version of good wrestling. I moan about rematches. I moan about wrestling for wrestling's sake on WWE TV when they don't really care about it, and it's so painfully obvious. I, however, would watch a best of. 17 series with Chad Gable versus literally anyone mm-hmm. is just, I don't know how he does this in such a short amount of time. He's got that Tanahashi Brian like time space continuum ability to warp where he can just do things in such a small time frame so well that you really you just think, why is that? What? Why is that real? It's wasting my time <laughs> when he can do it like this. Uh, time for another Alexa Bliss segment. She's gone to visit the psychiatrist. Oh, another disappointingly. Re- Rubbish yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he says she's getting better. She's wearing mostly black this time around. Uh, and he wants to talk to her about Lily and the history there. Um, she talks about when she first met her. She was six years old. He was, these teenage girls would pick on her. She was playing on the monkey bars, and these girls shoved her, and she was unconscious. When she woke up, Lily was there. Lily uh, told her uh, that, the, that she'd taken care of the girls. They'd never come back. Not to worry about it. She continued talking, and they just went, yeah, yeah, meh, 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 meh. They just cut back. It was really weird, this. Yeah. So the implication is they've discovered the root of a trauma in childhood. Mm-hmm. She was bullied, and she was teased, and she's manifested a doll, potentially killed two innocents. Yeah, or the and doll did. She's not sure if it was her or the Because the doll actually can kill. Well, we know this. Chase Shane and Baszler. But the idea is, I think, in this narrative, 
can't believe I'm analysing it earnestly, <laughs> is that they've discovered the root of her delusions and it's the childhood trauma of being bullied, which is a great thing to make light of. That's how the fiend got to her. I know what I'll do. I'll get the doll that reminds her of all the childhood trauma, then she'll be on my side. The fiend literally groomed yep. the Alexa Bliss, and it was a storyline, and it happened, and they didn't realize because they thought, oh, it's good, she can be spooky horror stuff. It's like, they don't realize the impl- it's because of the implication. <laughs> You've groomed someone on telly, you stupid kids. <laughs> <laughs> More than one take on this, because people are obviously really obsessed with elements of Alexa, of Alexa Bliss's run. The her hair was back unfurled into the normal pigtails, and you mentioned about the outfit as well. This has got more people believing that we are headed back to regular Alexa Bliss. Good. Is that they don't? Does this drop in out the like yeah, all the time? Why do I need this? Uh-huh. Like they could just drop the cat. They could have brought her back at the Rumble, having done none of these. Like Alexa Bliss is back, and you go, cool. Oh, uh, thank God, she got that weird thing out of the system. That's good. But if we're doing it this way instead, it's so strange the things that they insist on applying detail to compared to the stuff they don't. Mm. No, no, we got to get people back up to speed with this. <laughs> rather than like, otherwise, it won't make sense how she once made Randy Orton cough up goo and then sat on his face. <laughs> like, uh, anyway. Maybe it's the secret non-suit scripting and all this stuff. It's, it's going to be goodbye, wank. <laughs> <laughs> Still makes me explode. <laughs> Bruce Pritchard leaving the comment. He <laughs> loves, he loves Kane stuff so much that one of the products of his explosion, his son, is actually called Kane, right? Um, this Why can't just make horror films and get it, get out of my life? This is that, isn't it? Like, oh, we need stuff with a doll. Bruce is rubbing his hands together. Get in, childhood trauma, doll kills too. Like, this is, they, they did a book, WWE did an in-house book that tried to tell, there were so many frayed ends with the Kane Undertaker story. They did a book. Did they? Like, we're going to make this all make sense. And it was like, I bet Bruce Richards saw it. Like, well, I do not like that. Let me tell you. <laughs> I can't go anywhere with this now. You've, you've closed all these loops. Uh, what was good was uh, another segment with Vince McMahon next. Uh, Austin Theory goes in to visit him. Uh, and uh, Theory sort of leans on him to get a, maybe a later number in the Rumble. Your, your 26s, your 27s, your 29s, maybe. Uh, and Vince goes, <laughs> <laughs> He's back on form again this week. What's that? <laughs> he said he basically didn't have any influence on the numbers, uh, and he should be concerned about his opponent tonight, AJ Styles, uh, to which Theory responds by just listing his Wikipedia accolades. Uh, and uh, did he wrestle him? Have I imagined that? Have they not already had a match? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, thought, they literally showed the clip of him racing when Grace Wall. Yeah, Grace yeah. Bloody Wall. God damn it, man! Like, oh well, I know all about him. Yeah, I know you've done it. We've all done it. <laughs> uh, he says he's ready, and uh, Vince hands him back his phone and says, "Give me a phone with somebody in the match," which he didn't. So there's a there's a write that down for the preview next week. Yeah, fucking that. <laughs> I love it. When when you're taking the sofa, why do, why do I get the picture developed? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit. Um, Vince was too. Where's the fucking piece of paper? <laughs> <laughs> Shake it to the dry cooker. <laughs> like that. He he was a bit too <laughs> clear. My fucking snappy snaps. Too clear for my liking this week. Fucking Kodak moment. <laughs> Did you ever see that um, bit? George Michael, rest in peace, loved him. But did you ever see when he crashed his car into the side of a Snappy Snaps? Yeah. And, like, obviously the car was taken away. And the next day, some graffiti artist wrote, wham, on it. 
love George Michael, but I always really love that whenever somebody mentions Snappy Snap sort of thing. Oh. <laughs> bit, bit of an update for you, Sige. Via Mahan's still coming. It's going to get the gush. Via <laughs> Mahan's still exploding. <laughs> still biding his time. I've told so many people that. I think you told us. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Biding his time. <laughs> Just see, I'll have a look what they've, what they've said this week. Is he, is he coming? Is he biding his time? Oh, they've changed the copy. It's more like WWE.com copy, if I recall. Oh, that's no fun. Is there, are they? Oh. Via Mahan. Oh, sorry. Via Mahan's eyes are locked on the prize. What prize? <laughs> oh, anyway, right. Then we did get AJ Styles versus Austin Theory, which, to be fair, was great. Um, Styles in control early on. Uh, shrugs Theory off, drop, kings out, drop kicks him out to the floor and does a... Uh, slingshot forearm out there to take him out early on. He's in control, pushes Theory off the top, ro- top rope, but Theory comes back with a rolling drop kick, uh, knocking Styles outside the ring, which was just spectacular. Um, we go to a break when we come back. Styles is attempting to make a comeback, but Theory hits a backbreaker. Uh, Styles, though, hits a, a springboard inverted DDT, strikes a neck breaker, a sliding forearm. Uh, this gets a near fall for him. Uh, Theory responds, hitting a back elbow and a back suplex and a rolling blockbuster which was just great as well for a near fall. Goes for a superplex. Styles slips out, though. Hits him with a Pele kick. They trade counters. Styles eventually puts the calf crusher on Austin Theory, but he eventually manages to get to the ropes. Um, As Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm, Theory shoves him off the top rope, and he takes a rough bump. Uh, He tries to make a cover with his feet on the ropes, Austin Theory, but the referee spots him. Uh, Goes for the ATL. Styles slips out. Phenomenal forearm. Styles get the victory. This was this was some brilliant stuff from these two, I thought. Yeah, really good. Um, Austin Theory's, if not his best match on the main roster, which it probably is, certainly his best match in this Vince run. I wasn't really feeling it with Finn Balor. Certainly not in the way that I think you were supposed to. No. I wasn't really taking any of that. Um, AJ Styles is the weirdest guy because he's spent the last year basically trying to carry this tag team idea, this almost idea, and that's what his skills are being used for. But WWE strange, so you just forget about that now. Like, he lost the match, he lost the feud, friendship never happened, just carry on. What's AJ Styles got when he's got nothing going on? Phenomenal pro wrestler. I think I'm starting to think that he's better out of storylines than in them, because all he has to do is, like, flick the autopilot wrestler switch, and he has a match like this. There's there's as little creative invested in AJ Styles now than there has been probably in the last two or three years, and he put on a kind of, like, maestro veteran performance for the benefit of a young guy that he's trying to help elevate. Like, Sterling stuff? Fair play to everybody involved? Yeah, I can't... Bl- it's, <laughs> there's no jokes, there's no snide, there's no sarcasm. This is stellar. This is really, really stellar work. I generally thought I was in the impact zone watching this. <laughs> like, the energy with which it was worked is if AJ Styles has genuinely had a little bit of the... Like, a bit of competition within himself. Like, I want to prove that I've still got something mm. here. I've been saddled with a moss. I've tried my best... I've kind of faded out of view as like an elite level talent. He was like, nah, nah no class. And he just d- decided to show it. There was th- a two minute prolonged sequence here, counter upon counter upon counter, which is just liquid professional wrestling mm. that would not be out of place in any great promotion that still has pro wrestling as its calling card. Uh, no right to be as good as this. Um, they might have something in Austin Theory after all. Yeah, and then, and then you see him act and they probably don't. That rolling dropkick and the rolling uh, blockbuster. 
Oh, wonderful stuff. Yeah, really, really exciting. It's on, just on the Vince thing. So by like in any other time other than weird 2022 WWE, you think, well, he's having good matches and he's getting what they believe to be the rub with this stuff on Vince. Like maybe this is going somewhere. Maybe there's a WrestleMania plan, but it's 2022 WWE. They could just drop it. Mm. He could like Vince could tell him he's got him a number for the Rumble. And then the gag that we've all pitched at various different times. Wait a minute. You're not Austin. Austin didn't have hair. And then it turns out it's a Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it's just as wacky as that. And that's it. Like Austin Theory's entire run this last month of what we've been doing. Everything since the egg is just over and dropped. To, I was about to say, what if he turns around on the night and we see him backstage and he's like, I didn't give me that promise off me, but I don't like what you did on there. So uh, I went and got a special number for you. And you know, like these, I love the little tombola thing, yeah. And he goes, oh, I went and got it in my fucking cell. He goes, here you go, kid. He goes, what's this? It's a fucking number. He goes, this is a number. This is an egg. <laughs> and he's not in the rumble. Might as well fucking scramble it for me. Like your brain, Vince. <laughs> Just like that, bro. <laughs> right, then we got uh, a. Uh, How six- close are we to the main event? I scroll too the long. God damn Just, long. just the eight segments. We, we, I can. Uh, we can get through. Wrap this. it up. Yeah, uh, it's Becky Lynch indeed. Uh, they do a little promo off setting up their match. They're in. They're in separate rooms. Don't worry. They're kept apart, obviously. Um, Jimmy Smith goes to ask the challenger a question first. Becky Lynch is furious about this. She wants to be asked first. She's Becky Lynch at the end of the day. She talks about how Dewdrop idolized her, um, and uh, Dewdrop talks about how Becky Lynch is. Talking a load of bollocks here. He's trying desperately, trying anything, pick the new girl to fight for the title because that will be easy and I'll be able to hold on to my championship. Uh, the only thing that's going to be easy is how easy Dewdrop's going to break her ribs. Um, Becky said, oh, I heard what you said there. I didn't hear a single thank you. Uh, you should thank me for giving the biggest batch of your career. Um, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. Of course I had to slap you. Um, you know, uh, you, you know, you weren't showing me any respect. And ne- and then last week, I was leading you through this match. We had the match won, and then you have to go and splash me and, and do what you do, and lay, leave me laying. Um, look, I'm going to beat that ass at the Rumble. And then Piper says, oh, I wasn't listening, if I'm perfectly honest. She's doing the, you, whenever you start doing that whiny, naggy thing, I sort of zone out because you just piss me off. Um, I'll show you some gratitude when you show me some respect. Um, there's the whole Van, uh, Vincent, what's, it, what's the thing they were doing? Oh, yeah, Van Goat. Yeah. bollocks that Becky was doing. Uh, Becky is not a goat. Write this down. She is a lamb on the way to the slaughter. Uh, Becky tells us to know her place. Um, says, okay, uh, and takes the mic off and walks off. And as Becky's cutting a promo, talking about how she had been the champion for three years, no one's been able to take this belt off her. Piper just walks in and attacks her. Big brawl. Referees pull them apart. Oh, he's eyeing up. Uh, he's on the other page. Yeah. Okay. The other options are there. Wait there. No. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> this. Oh, what's it? I'm waiting no, for. You got to go to press. So you got to press one of these relating to the. All right. For the main event. 
I really did a piss. Come on. <laughs> Anything you want to say about this? I just think AEW should borrow this. Somebody attacking from the side of the screen. It's a very, very original and innovative idea, and I think they should use it on Rampage. Uh, we got an interview with the Mysterios. Can first. you do uh, Kevin Patrick? Do a Mark Henry? <laughs> <laughs> just, just the Irish accent. Okay. Well, it looks like we've had enough talk. <laughs> it's time for the main event. <laughs> Sarah Schreiber's chatting with the Mysterios. <laughs> Putting Ray over being the cover star of the new 2K oh, game. This is funny. Uh, referencing Austin, <laughs> Rock, Cena, Undertaker. Oh, uh, Ray said, you know, how proud he was to, to be on there. And, and maybe his son Dominic would be on the cover one day. And he. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic says it'd be an honor after playing all those games when he was a kid. And uh, maybe, maybe I can do it after I win the Rumble. And Ray says, well, you're not going to win the Rumble. Obviously, you have to eliminate me. And he goes, yeah, I'll eliminate you. I'll eliminate you first, if anything. The irony is that Dominic Mysterio looks like everyone in a first third-person shooter. He's got to be generic blockhead. Hey, well, hang on. It's all right here. It's all right here. Um, but the big, take, <laughs> big takeaway here, another breadcrumb in the story. The best story in the game. Oh, these two are useless. It's this. I love that we book this story all the more because of how bad they are at delivering the lines that are going to get us there. Because I'll take a few weeks of this. Dad, I'm not, I'm not a bigger star as you, but I'm going to build my legacy. It's like nobody believes a word you're saying, Dominic. I believe that as much as I believe racing. This game is fire. <laughs> Piss off. It does look fire, to be fair. So I can imagine Dominic playing as a kid, as Eddie Guerrero. And then <laughs> <laughs> I can totally picture it. Yeah, look, we always said, I don't want to take the piss for this. I don't want to labour a point because um, I never, never brought this up before. But we always said the Royal Rumble 2022 was going to be. We said it. Cedric's got his phone out because he's writing it down. He's taking a note that we always said it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just, I'm glad that they are keeping to the path that we paved. And it was uh, sort of reiterated here. I mentioned earlier there was a pointless women's match to promote the Rumble. This was a pointless men's match mm-hmm. to promote the Rumble. I will say, for a match with, for now, Mysterio's won to beat the Street Profits. That Montez Ford dive where he literally did a Superman pose, Great. bonkers. He, it, like, what I love about Montez Ford is how much he loves to do that. So this has been the case now for months. Like, it's unfair really, isn't it? Because Angelo Dawkins is pretty great. Right, but unfortunately, Montez Ford has become that like headline grabbing member of a tag team, and I don't really know what you do with that because the like Montez Ford in particular is working, understanding what happens to tag teams in WWE. Mm. Street Profits have been together ages, and that's it's quite impressive how long they managed to stick at it together. But Montez Ford in particular is working like a guy who knows that the only route to long term success in his company is to break off from the team and be the Sean and not the Matty like that. And Angelo Dawkins is going to be stuck with that, I think. Despite, I think he's levelled up too. Yeah, I, oh, absolutely. I think the Street Profits have genuinely improved. I'm not, I don't know, like, it's hard to improve on WWE's main roster, but they look and feel like bigger stars than we're in NXT. They've made the jump and it's stuck. But Montez Ford just works for that singles push. Where, like, when it comes, the split won't, like, be that much of a surprise because you've sort of watched him elevate in his game. I was torn here because I'm watching Montez Ford do that goddamn Superman pose in midair. It's <laughs> ridiculous, and I'm thinking... Are you a knacker for not saving that for Mania? Or is the fact that you're capable of doing things like that and making a memory from Monday Night Raw, does that mean you should be doing something more at WrestleMania? Either way, that just struck me as something incredible. Yeah, it's sensational. In the rest of the match, you know, they do the old double six or nine spot, but one of them gets pulled out of the ring. 
Ray goes for a single 619 on Montez Ford, but the distraction has allowed him to recover. He catches it, uh, but in the end, Ray rolls him up for the victory. Post-match, Dominic tries to chuck his dad out of the ring, but Ray, with the old nouse that he's got, reverses it. He gets eliminated. Um, and then Montez Ford chucks Ray out of the ring. Uh, Don Dawkins chucks chuck, chuck out Montez Ford uh, and says, ah, oh, I had to. Uh, and then the dirty dogs show up. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode uh, chuck Dawkins out of the ring. They all get in there and chuck out uh, Ziggler and Roode. They're all in the rumble, basically. But we haven't seen Dominic eliminate his dad, even in, in a practice, yet. <laughs> How have you got the energy? Well, let's move on. Uh, very briefly, then we will get to the main event. Uh, we had Killer Patrick uh, again uh, chatting with Seth freaking Rollins, uh, who literally just said, I'll show up on SmackDown on Friday. Uh, I like to deliver my messages in person. I'll see Roman then, basically. And then we got uh, Maurice's big birthday party extravaganza um, with, with presents and, and uh, balloons and all that bollocks in the ring. Out comes Miz, uh, winds the crowd up and then gets introduces Maurice. They've got security splashed out. No expense spared uh, to protect from any involvement. He even said, I did like this touch, that he had his security check the roof for effectively for goo. <laughs> uh, so that wasn't going to happen. Um, out comes Maurice. Um, she unveils her first... Uh, NYPD goo. First present. Uh, it's a beautiful portrait of the two of them, uh, which she says is better than her kids or having a kids or whatever it was. Um, the second one uh, was a sort of sparkly clutch bag that symbolizes their love for one another. They have a kiss. This this audience is getting proper riled up right now. Um, and uh, and then he says, oh, open another the gift. Open that, open that big one there. I, I assume you've got that for me, actually, because I, I didn't get it for you. And she says... Well, I didn't buy you a gift. And there's the sudden panic. We've all know, seen this before. A giant human-shaped present. Oh, my God. It's Edge and and his, and Beth Phoenix. They're going to be out there and they're going to jump out Miz and Maurice. Psych! No, it's a brick. The brick's in there. <laughs> he got a security to open it. It tickled me pink, this. Uh, he got a security to open it for them with panic in their eyes and then swerve. They got the audience. It's just, it's just a... It's a brick in a box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> He wants everyone in the audience to stand and sing for Maurice. And just before they play the music, he did get a great reaction when he said, Don't boo! Like that. Um, they sing, of course. Um, Edge comes out, interrupts all of it with Beth Phoenix, tells him to cut the music. Uh, he said, look, you can be as clever as you like, blah, blah, blah. Um, but all this security is not going to help you come Saturday. Um, we're pissed come off. Come Saturday. <laughs> we're pissed off with what you did because they'd already shown the clip of uh, Beth Phoenix getting laid out by Maurice's brick last week. And uh, they do the old... Uh, it always reminds me for some reason of the McMahons. You remember when the McMahons kicked the shit these. out of security? I know Trips was there as well. But when it was just like... Shane was just like, yeah, I'm a, I think I'm an ass kicker now. <laughs> Come here, Keith Lee. Bang. <laughs> Down you go. Oh, indubitably. That's <laughs> <laughs> my great honour. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they beat up all the security. <laughs> Miz and Maurice bail. Um, they, uh, they hit a spear. They hit a 3D. They think there's a heart attack in there. Uh, and in the end, Edge grabs one of the security guys and power bombs him through the table with all the presents. Bloody good sports entertainment, this, I thought. I agree. Um, the brick payoff was funny. The Edge and Beth Phoenix thing wasn't hack rubbish. They've just got to get through this wall of security that the heels have put in front of them. 
They've already done the hack rubbish, so they had to acknowledge it at the start of this segment. We've done the goo in this angle. Not even just edged it. <laughs> yeah. Edge did that last year to Seth. So I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, it's happened in this storyline. Um, so I like it when they're so um, inept that they have no choice but to mock themselves to get something else over, and that's what this was. This is why I like The Miz. Him singing happy birthday to a crowd that he knew he had was sublime. Like, it's... WWE, why, they troll their audience so much because I think they think all the heels are this. Like, the fans are enjoying hating this. This yeah. is a pleasurable two-way experience rather than the hum of the Royal Rumble 2015, for example. You know, they think it's one thing, but it's actually the other. But when it's good, it's good. And this didn't feel important, but then I don't think the mixed target on Sunday is supposed to either. It was just, like... In the moment they named it the It couple versus the Grit yeah. couple. <laughs> like, they... they Kind of like sold out any attempt to make this feel serious. So they've done this instead. I enjoyed this. It wasn't bad at all. It's not my favourite thing. I have got way more latitude to both The Miz and sports entertainment. But just to cap off, The Miz is really quite good at sports entertainment. Yeah. So, you know, if I gave a toss about it, I might have liked it. <laughs> it, was, it was well done as well. Yeah. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts. It's been like eight hours and I still didn't think of brick in a box and Wilborn got it. So, you know, like this is still worth it. Let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch that you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at. I'm never going to leave that frigging button down. At M. Sidgwick. <laughs> Just poking at the actual picture of the button. There's <laughs> eight buttons right there. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. <laughs> follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Where on iTunes and Spotify, you can leave us a five star review review, just like Cena underscore 62 did. Uh, and we'll be back later on today with our NXT 2.0 review. But for now, my thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.